And from the walls an answering shout went up. For the foremost on the field rode the swan knights of Dol Amroth, and their prince and his banner at their head. Amroth for Gondor, they cried. Amroth to Faramir. Like thunder, they broke up the enemy flank of the retreat, but one rider outran them all, swift as the wind in the grass. Shadowfax bore him, shining, unveiling once more, a light starting from his upraised hand. The Nazgul screeched and swept away, for their captain was not yet come to challenge the white fire of his foe. Hey, 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 I'm Danny J. I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are, we are Keep, Keep On Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Happy holidays. It's 420 special. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Before we get into the festivities, though, we got an announcement. Yeah, let's go through our regular announcements. We got our new merch available up at keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmail.com. Go check it out for our t-shirt designs, all of which are designed by ourselves. Yeah, go get your uh, shafted shirt, the one that I designed. I'm actually wearing it today. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, we always talk about it. I, you know, I Very figured festive. I have to wear it for one of these. Yeah, there's also a mintered T-shirt on there too, right? I, or it's either coming soon or it's on there. Anyway, did did way, we? Did out. we have a mintered one? Yeah, your sister made it. Yeah, I gotta double double check that Trevor too, did, guys. Trevor didn't even know. Yeah. Anyway, check out those T-shirts, guys. They're really fucking cool. Um, more to come soon. But today, what do we got going on? Today is our season finale of season six. Yeah. We hope you guys have been enjoying yourselves. Uh, and today, as we mentioned earlier, this is actually a holiday special. I've got to love the holidays. Happy 420, y'all. Today, we're calling this episode Tolkien on Drugs, a KOT 420 special. Get it? Let's get into what we will be getting into today. We are going to have a brief intro. On cannabis, a brief intro to 420. We're also going to go over some examples of drugs and medications used in Tolkien, both uh, medicinally and recreationally. And then we're also going to get into some of the influence of Tolkien on a real-life drug culture in the real world. Yes, our 420 special. And let's we're going to start by saying it's really, it's no secret that a lot of us involved here in KOT have at some point in our lives been a fan of those little green flowers. Fair to say. Fair to say. I would even go as far to say that our experiences with cannabis have helped shape our sensibilities and our sense of humor. Absolutely. So KOT is very much brought to you by cannabis. <laughs> brought to you by. <laughs> yeah. If we, that's our first sponsor, big, big cannabis, big, 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 big cannabis, big canna. Yeah. Big canna. Okay. So why did I choose that opening excerpt? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Jump back to that opening excerpt. An epic one. Yeah. An epic one. Really super cool moment in the, in the trilogy and why, um, so there's a little story that goes along with that and it goes along with, uh, the weed theme as well. This is back in the days when, um, I had just started imbibing the herb and uh we were watching a movie in my or garage and my i told my friend aaron to go to my house to get another movie to watch 
and you know we're blitzed or whatever it's the early days so we're gone and uh, i sent him in to get the the thing and he comes back with the lord of the rings trilogy instead and what does he do but open up to that passage and start reading it mm-hmm. and after that i decided that it was one of the most epic things I'd ever fucking heard in my life. And I needed to reread these books because they were obviously much better than I remembered them to be. That was 2010. In 2011, I reread everything and I've been obsessed ever since. And now we have a fucking podcast. That's right. Been going strong for five years now? Has it yeah, been that long? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, so. Uh, that's damn near an, an origin story. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Straight up superhero origin story. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to our friend Aaron. Yeah, shout out to Aaron. I wonder if he listens. I'm not sure. Being it the holiday that it is, let's touch a little bit on the flower itself. Yes. The cannabis. The cannabis. The, the marijuana. So what is cannabis? It's actually a plant that's been cultivated by humans since the dawn of the agricultural revolution. Yeah, evidence may point to human usage all the way back to pre-pottery Neolithic era. Uh, that would be 8800 to 6500 BCE. That's like damn near 10,000 years ago. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, the active chemical in cannabis are called cannabinoids, and there are 113 known cannabinoids. The chief psychoactive chemical is THC, also known as Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol. Yeah, he he said it. He nailed it. it. He nailed it. it. It, Nice. Very nice. So cannabinoids aren't just found in in the cannabis flower, though, are they? No, uh, I, think they're the other, I think they're in other plants, Th- They too. are found in other plants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was valued for many things. Obviously, it's we've wherever humans have been, cannabis has then been there with us. So one of the things it's valued for, uh, let's get into it, uh, fibers. Making rope, cloth, and paper products. It's the, the best freaking thing, the best natural thing in the world to, to make that yeah, sort still of thing. still frequently used to make special cloths and ropes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and of course, there are some medicinal properties, as most people are aware. So cannabis has been used by many cultures as a medicine for various ailments. And it's also been used for religious purposes. Uh, Cannabis's psychoactive properties have made it popular in various religious ceremonies and celebrations. And uh, my favorite, uh, recreational use. And if you don't know what recreational means, it's basically a fun word for, for funsies. For funsies. And we'll get more into that later. On funsies? I like funsies. Funsies. Let's talk about cannabis in the modern era. Cannabis continues to be used for both its medicinal value and recreational use and industrial value, too, let's be honest. It's also becoming more and more legal throughout the world, you know, really, uh, especially in the West, you know? Yeah. Here here in the States, different places. Historically, the West is the only one that has a problem with it, <laughs> like, to be honest. So we're not going to d- dwell too much on this whole negative uh, aspect of, uh, yeah, of yeah. cannabis, because it's a celebration, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. However, we wouldn't be true to ourselves if we didn't note that the policies restricting cannabis... Uh, in in the modern era have almost always been rooted in colonialism as well as bigotry against cannabis using populations namely who non-white populations you guessed it (laughs) so let's get into a a brief history of the holiday yeah the holiday that is 420 so it's an unofficial holiday celebrating cannabis culture uh, 420 celebrated on April 20th, which fourth should, month, 20th day. Which should be today, right? If we're if we're on schedule, it should be today. <laughs> <If we're> on <laughs> ske- yeah. <laughs> what do we got? 420 in a nutshell. Uh, counterculture holiday celebrating cannabis. Uh, there are many urban legends regarding the origins of 420 as a reference to cannabis, but the prevailing origin story 
uh, was popularized by Stephen Hager of High Times Magazine. The story of five high school students in San Rafael, California. Yeah, we got a fun uh, um, excerpt. This is right from the 420 Wikipedia page. (laughs) Joel's going to read it for us. In 1971, five high school students in San Rafael, California, used the term 420 in connection with a plan to search for an abandoned cannabis crop based on a treasure map made by their grower. Calling themselves the Waldos because their typical hangout spot, quote, was a wall outside the school, end quote, the five students, Steve Capper, Dave Reddix, Jeffrey Knoll, Larry Schwartz, and Mark Gravich, designated the Louis Pasteur statue as the grounds of San, uh, on the grounds of San Rafael High School as their meeting place and 4.20 p.m. as their meeting time. The Waldos refer to this plan with the phrase 4.20 Louis. After several failed attempts to find the crop, the group eventually shortened their phrase to just 4.20, which ultimately evolved into a code word that teens used to refer to consuming cannabis. Isn't that fun, you guys? Holy shit, what a cool story. That needs to be a fucking movie, right? It sounds like movie material. Sounds like a fucking stoner version of the Goonies, you guys. <laughs> stoner version of the Goonies. Yeah. So the explosion of the usage of the term 420 was attributed to Grateful Dead fans. Deadheads, right? Uh, Dave Reddick's of the Waldos actually became a roadie for Grateful Dead and spread the word. And now 420 is celebrated throughout the world. Yeah, there's a lot of public use of cannabis at gatherings. Yep. There's uh, public demonstrations against cannabis restrictions or ending the war on drugs in general. You can find it at concerts and live music. Yeah, business promotions. Sales at head shops and dispensaries. Yes. Um, Special showings of films important to the cannabis subculture also exist. Sometimes even podcast specials. Sometimes even. Check that out. Yeah, who would imagine? So uh, we wouldn't be fair people if we didn't get into the more negative side of this holiday right yeah we got to touch on it a little bit oh you got to be real because there's so much negative about it right and we're going to get into uh those things right now so first of all two studies claim that the risk of fatal traffic accidents increased on april 20th but upon closer examination by less biased and more credible scientists the conclusion was that the evidence did not support that claim However, theft is a problem. Oh, yes, theft? Theft. That's right. Theft of what, Trevor? Specifically signs of any variation of the number 420. Oh, no. (laughs) What a crime. Uh, Fun fact, in Colorado, this became such a problem that on Interstate 71, just east of Denver, the 420 mile marker was repeatedly stolen. So the Department of Transportation replaced it by a mile marker reading 419.99. Yeah, but as uh, stoners really love irony, that sign was stolen as well. That is really fucking funny. People would, yeah. That doesn't surprise that me. That almost one sounds bit. funnier. Apparently, four twenty is the most stolen sign behind sixty nine. Nice, nice. Really? <laughs> yep. So let's get into it, guys. Let's get into some substances known for their medicinal use in Tolkien. Yeah, yeah let's let's jump right into the Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Let's do it, Elvish first. Yeah, you guys were. Gracious enough to listen to our 420 intro, let's get into Tolkien. Yeah, so let's first start by talking about some of the uh, elvish medicines. Uh, first on our list, we've got something known as Elf Liquor, or the actual name... Miravor. Miravor. The cordial of Imladris. Yeah, the Miravor was named after the Miravore, which uh, originated as the nectar of the Valar, made from Yavanna's flowers, and they poured that during festivals in Valinor. 
Ooh, I bet you that would taste real good. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like dandelion wine made by a god. Yeah, but anytime you hear the name Miravor, it's usually specifically referring to the cordial of the elves from Rivendell. It was possibly a different substance, an imitation uh, to the Miravore, and perhaps named after it. Uh, yeah, so Miravore was described as a liquor with the power to grant renewed vigor and strength. It's known to be clear and colorless and have a warm and fragrant smell. Yeah, we've got a lovely excerpt here from The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 3, The Ring Goes South, by Trevor. This will be the death of the halflings, Gandalf, said Boromir. It is useless to sit here until the snow goes over our heads. We must do something to save ourselves. Give them this, said Gandalf, searching his pack and drawing out a leather flask. Just a mouthful each, for all of us. It is very precious. It is Miravor, the cordial of Imladris. Elrond gave it to me at our parting. Pass it around. As soon as Frodo had swallowed a little of the warm and fragrant liquor, he felt a new strength of heart and the heavy drowsiness left his limbs. The other also revived and found fresh hope and vigor. Hell yeah, so it's uh, definitely, some, it, it re, it's more than just a literal liquor. There's some kind of magicalness yeah, to it. It's, yeah, it's clearly magic. It a revitalizes lot of the, the body and spirit. A lot of these drugs are actually magic drugs, in a way. <laughs> yeah, is, it, yeah. uh, <laughs> is there an alcohol content in this? They do describe it as a liquor, so it do, yeah, it does have alcohol content. We, and based on the description of like you know warming up your um your limbs and stuff, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah you can guess sense. it's probably higher than like a, a beer or a mead. It's it definitely yeah. a liquor. Definitely would get into we, your into your blood if it's warming you up and stuff. We like actually that. talk about that because the the traditional wor- use of the word liquor just means anything with alcohol in it. Mm. We use it for more spirits, but we'll talk more about that later in the alcohol section. That's I right. Can't wait. So let's touch on another item well known to the elves and elvish culture. Yeah. Lembass. Yeah, we were kind of debating on whether or not to add this to the list. Yeah, I mean, lembass bread, it's not necessarily a medicine per se. It's it's more of like a nutritional supplement, but sort of like a magical one. Yeah, I'm, I'm still okay with considering it a, a substance per se. Yeah, it's more, it's kind of like a supplement. I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. Su- super concentrated nutrition. Yeah, like an elvish protein bar. <laughs> I've yeah. actually, I've actually been dieting, and so I've been eating a lot of protein bars. Oh, and they make your farts smell terrible. You guys don't eat too many protein bars. I bet you these elvish ones probably just. Yeah. What do you think lembas made your fucking farts smell like? Maybe. If you were just eating nothing but drinking water and eating lembas, flowers. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Something, something pleasant. That'd be cool. If it maybe it just wouldn't make you fart. Maybe it's just like such great nutrition. You just don't. You don't even need to fart. Don't even fart. Dude, so my, my roommate made a bread uh, from a recipe that was supposed to be what Lembus, Lembus bread was supposed to yeah. Oh, yeah. kind of be like. Um, eh. <laughs> well, was, was it like an unleavened <laughs> bread or like a cracker? What, what was it? Uh, think like a scone, but without anything really uh, fancy okay. about it, you know? Okay. More a little a little spongier, but um Okay. Yeah. No right. no filling or sugar or nothing really. Well Lembas is also known as the Waybred of the Elves. Uh, it's usually used on particularly long journeys by the Eldar, and the recipe is closely guarded by the elves. Yeah, they usually don't even let mortals eat it. Only twice in history was it ever gifted to mortals. Trevor, what was the first time? The first age, Melian gifted Lembus to her adopted son, Turin, and his band of outlaws. Yeah, given to him by Beleg, right? That's right. Our Beleg best friend. 
And in the third age, it was gifted to the Fellowship of the Ring by Galadriel. As everybody knows. Yeah, and apparently it tastes fucking awesome. How many pieces of do you eat? Four. <laughs> Four. <laughs> I fucking love that line. Yeah, it's movie. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that little burp he does too. That yeah, it was yeah. amazing. It's so funny. Yeah, and apparently it tastes amazing as well. It's not just some crappy bread. Uh, so for more information on this, let's listen to a excerpt here from The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 8. Farewell to Lorien. This is a quote uh, of Gimli, and we're going to be uh, listening to this read by Danny. Why it is better than the honey cakes of the Bjornings, and that is great praise. For the Bjornings are the best bakers that I know of, but they are none too willing to deal out their cakes to travelers in these days. You are kindly hosts. All the same, we bid you spare the food, they said. Eat little at a time and only at need, for these things are given to serve you when all else fails. The cakes will keep sweet for many days if they are unbroken and left in their leaf wrappings, as we have brought them. One will keep a traveler on his feet for a day of long labor, even if he be one of the tall men of Minas Tirith. Damn, so just one of those is all you need for a whole day? Yeah. And Pepinate 4. And four of them, yeah. Uh, damn. I wonder how many calories it is. I was it's got to be like 10,000 calories It's got to be a lot of calories. Yeah. It sounds delicious, though. So, yeah, I got a little uh, story here. Uh, similar to Trevor's story about real Lambus bread. Oh, yeah. We have a friend. I'll, we're not going to dox her or anything, but we have a friend. Um, she's pretty much the Heisenberg of making cannabis edibles. And uh, one year for my birthday, it was a couple years ago, she made me special Lambus bread. Remember that? Oh, yeah, I do. And they were like in, she made little leaf wrappings and everything, and they were strong as fuck, and they were really fun. And I, she gave me like a whole bunch of them on my birthday, and I was like, have fun. Revitalize the spirit. Yeah, I love that person. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some, uh, for you Dunedain heads out there, wow, wow, wow. Let's get into some Numenorean medicine. I don't know when that got associated with Dunedain, but... (laughs) So let's start off with uh, something most people will recognize. Ethylas. Ethylas. That's a weed. That's a weed. Actually, I don't recognize it. Don't at all. Well, it's a healing herb used by the men of Westerness. Yeah, it's used to cure wounds. It's an antidote for poisons. And it also, uh, most importantly, it counteracts the maladies caused by evil magic like the black breath yeah black breath i remember this yeah let's get into the origins of uh ethylas as far as we know ethylas came to middle earth from numenor yeah it grows wild but uh only in places where the dunedain camped or lived for a while you should say in the third age it grows wild only in places where the dunedain camped or lived yeah it's 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 super useful so it's like always where wherever there were numenorians there was ethylas it just follows them Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're usually probably from them bringing it or dropping it or planting it. It's kind of like humans in real life in cannabis. We bring it everywhere. However, ethylas may have been growing in Beleriand in the first age. Yeah, the herbs brought to Luthien by Huon to heal Baron of his arrow wound back in the tale of Baron and Luthien. Uh, some people think that this may be ethylas. Yeah. Ethylas is also known as king's foil in Gondor. Yeah, and Gondor's healing properties are not known until Aragorn uses it to heal Merry and Eowyn in the Houses of the Healing. That uh, happens right after the Battle of Pelennor Fields and the Return of the King. Yeah, weren't they? They had some around, but they were using it to like feed donkeys or some. Yeah, they're like we might have some shit. in the yeah. stable or They just thought it was a bunch of weeds. <laughs> yeah. They were just feeding it to the livestock and yeah. stuff. 
Yeah, apparently at this point, Gondor had completely forgotten about all of its medicinal properties, which is interesting. Yeah, but they it does say in the text that they did use it for uh, also for its sweet smell. Mm. It's kind of like a they. I, I picture this like a Gondorian uh, potpourri. Gotcha. You know, potpourri. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, they called it a Saya Aranian. Aranian, I think. Yeah. By the Noldor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that means beneficial or medicine leaf of kings interesting so there is a quenya name for it yeah i say uh iranian iranian yeah so it's been used okay okay by many peoples of middle earth yeah the noldor know about its properties of course yeah it's definitely got some explicit uses uh, in the text so let's just real quick cover some of the explicit references to ethelas in the text yeah, so let's talk about that possible healing of uh, Baron uh, in the tale of Baron and Luthien. Mm, back in the First Age. Mm-hmm. There's also Aragorn tending Frodo's mortal wound on the road to Rivendell. That's uh, all the way up in the Third Age with the War of the Rings stuff. We also have Aragorn tending the wound that Sam and Frodo sustain while they're in the mines of Moria. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, he uh, the cut on Sam's head. He puts it in, the, right. in the wound. Yeah. He says the he's like it's dry and it's some of its virtue is gone, but it'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, the the famous scene in the Houses of Healing when he heals everybody who's uh, affected by the Black Breath. Yeah, he straight up steeps that stuff in water, and he uses like the steam and the scent to help revive people, like specifically Mary and Eowyn from their uh, their Black Breath ailment. Yeah, I couldn't have the excerpt here because this is a long fucking episode, guys. But it says in there that everyone around who even smells it feels better. Like yeah. it, it lifts your spirits, even the Hell smell. Yeah. It's like uh, I can I just imagine like having a combination of caffeine and mint at the same time. Ooh, that'd be cool. I'd right. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some more Dunedain shit, guys. Let's talk about some Dunedain liquor. Dunedain liquor. Dunedain liquor. There's some given to Sam and Frodo by Faramir at Henneth Anun. Yeah, it said they have similar properties to the elf liquor and the orc liquor, which we'll get into in a second here. And we're going to talk more about this Dunedain liquor in the recreational alcohol section. Ooh, yes. we'll get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting through these guys. But speaking of uh, orcish medicine, orcish liquor, let's talk about orcish medicine. Yeah. Yeah, let's start with orc balm, which is the kind of medicine used to heal minor flesh wounds. It's a dark goop that really, really hurts. Yeah, it really fucking hurts. Yeah, Ugluk and the orcs use this to heal Mary's flesh wound on his forehead uh, after they kidnap them and uh, bring the hobbits to Isengard. Yeah, we've got an excerpt about this uh, from the Two Towers, Book Four, Chapter Three, the Urukai from Joel. Mary groaned, seizing him roughly. Ugluk pulled him into a sitting position and tore the bandage off his head. Then he smeared the wound with some dark stuff out of a small wooden box. Mary cried out and struggled wildly. The orcs clapped and hooted. Can't take his medicine, they jeered. Doesn't know what's good for him. Oi, we shall have some fun later. But at that moment, Ugluk was not engaged in sport. He needed speed and had to humor unwilling followers. He was healing Mary in orc fashion, and his treatment worked swiftly. When he had forced a drink from his flask down the hobbit's throat cut his leg bonds, and dragged him to his feet, Mary stood up, looking pale but grim and defiant, and very much alive. The gash in his forehead gave him no more trouble, but he bore a brown scar to the end of his days. Yeah, I love how, like, whatever it is, is, like, hella effective. Apparently. Yeah, it's Super, just... It's it works just, quick. Maybe this is why orcs are so fucking ugly, man. 
Because they get scars in the battles and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they use this orc bomb and it makes them, like, their skin all fucked up. Yeah, it, it works quickly, but it sounds like it leaves a lot of scar tissue behind. Yeah. So that that might be part of it. I also love how Tolkien uh, describes it as stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just dark stuff. Out of, this guy is so descriptive of everything, but he's just, like, some dark stuff out of a box. It's almost like he wants you to use your imagination. Yeah, there. Just that's like, why think I have something gross. I called it a goop. Yeah, I figured it was a goop. You know how, how nice it would be to have something like that, though. Just like, uh, like it, it makes sense. Orcs would have it. Uh, yeah, like a warring kind of tribe, kind of people or whatever. Oh yeah, they're constantly fucking each other up too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. here's here's just like all right. Well, we've got this sort of universal paste <laughs> you can just put on you know, heal your wounds. Yeah. Sick. I, like. Like if you get if you get just like uh like slashed in the gut and you just like put it like paste it on there you, you just like wait a few hours on the couch I don't know read a, read the news <laughs> you hear you good later like, yeah and you're good I'm risen when they said wood box I imagined like a black powder or something like a you think a powder maybe maybe like a bunch of herbs and shit ground together into like a powdery substance I think a goop maybe it was just straight up gunpowder maybe they <laughs> yeah, were actually just, maybe they're just they cauterizing it. Yeah, that's goop? why they scarred so bad oh, they were just using gunpowder cauterizing I, I, wounds I guess I kind of imagined a sort of uh, molassesy like mud yeah Ooh, okay yeah okay. Um, okay, let's talk about, they also mentioned it in that last excerpt, uh, the orc liquor. Orc liquor, yeah, the oral medicine. And in my opinion, this shit is almost certainly distilled from its pr- description. Okay. Yeah, let's let's get into its effects. Yeah, so it's a vex. It's uh, known for renewing vigor. It also gives a burning sensation in the throat when you drink it. Gives you a nice warm feeling throughout your body. Uh, has a pain-killing effect. Yeah, it's also got some sort of uh, mild healing effect. It seems not only to alleviate pain, but also seems to heal minor injuries. Oh my, it's a potion? Yeah, dude. And we got a little tiny uh, excerpt here from Two Towers, Book 4, Chapter 3, The Urukai, read by Trevor. Pippin fell down, and Ugluk dragged him up by his hair again. Several orcs laughed. Ugluk thrust the flask between his teeth and poured some burning liquid down his throat. He felt a hot, fierce glow flow through him. The pain in his legs and ankles vanished. He could stand. Effective. Effective? Not bad. That shit does look really nasty in the extended edition. It does look gross. It looks like like the, the nastiest fucking Robitussin it looks I've like, ever seen. You know, it, every, so it's an orc liquor, right? So mm-hmm. when they dumped it, it looks. it also looks kind of thick, too. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of like a an old coagulated wine or something yeah like, like like grand marnier or something Ooh, sure. yeah yeah, Ooh, yeah. I, I like the use of the word the word coagulated there yeah. it definitely it, it paints the picture uh, yeah it just seems disgusting and, and you know it's fermented somehow too so it's just extra gross yeah so let's get into some famous healers right there's a lot of healing going on in middle earth of course oh yeah some pe- some folks who are uh, famous for their healing abilities we've got uh, we've got elrond of course lore yeah. master healer Mm-hmm. Of course, Aragorn would know stuff. I'm sure he learned plenty from Elrond. Of course, yeah. He's a stepfather. Let me say that like a like a uh, like a bunch of scholars <laughs> meeting. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yes, Aragorn. Yeah. Would, yes, oh, yeah, he grew up. Yes, of course, yes, it makes sense. Yeah, 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 of course, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> another, <laughs> another one. Probably the best healer out of the whole list here. Uh, Nienna, mm. the Vala. That's a cool name. I like it. Yeah. And honestly, I'm going to argue right now that it may not, she may be the best healer, not because 
of her powers of magic, but because of her powers of empathy. Yes. I think that... And compassion. Empathy and compassion. That, I think, is what made her one of the best healers. Yep. Ooh, so she's kind of like a therapist. Of course. Yeah, yeah I mean, she, she, she is. She's, she's like the ultimate healer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, give me one of those. Another great healer, uh, Galadriel. Of course. And remember, in uh, I think in the Galadriel episode, we talked about... Uh, I don't know if it's canon or not, but her fourth age mission was to heal Frodo of his spiritual wounds in Valinor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I I must have missed or forgotten about that. I just That's remembered crazy. that as you were reading about Galadriel. <laughs> That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we've got Brandir. Yeah, Brandir the Lame. We remember this guy. He helped out Turin when he was all fucked up. Brandir the Lame. He's just a regular ass uh, middleman, but he's a yeah. learned man. Yeah. Uh, man of Brethil. Uh, House of uh, Beor, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, yeah. And he's had a. Was he born with a bad leg? Is that what it was, or was he? Um, he had a he had a club foot, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's because that's what uh, Turin calls him to insult him. Oh yeah. Yeah. He that's had, why he's known as Brandir the Lame. The Lame, Not which because is he super sucks, mean, because he doesn't suck. He's actually yes. a pretty nice guy. Yeah. No, Brandir's awesome, and it's super ableist to call him Brandir the Lame, which is why I didn't put it in the outline. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. So, so Br- Br- Brandir shafted? Shafted. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally shafted. shafted. Yeah. Um, and then the last, uh, last but not least, um, Luthien Tenuvio. Luthien. Yeah. Luthien the Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next, let's get into some substances known for recreational use in Tolkien. And there's two big subcategories. Let's get into the first one. Yeah, that would be something we talked about a little bit already. Alcohol or fermented drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge in Tolkien. It's huge, you know, everywhere. Oh, yeah. We'll get into it. We're going to get into... We're going to learn a little bit about alcohol here. Uh, Trevor, why don't you tell us what is alcohol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcohol is an organic compound. The chemical formula for it, if you're interested, is C2H6O. We're really getting deep into... Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) It is the byproduct of fermentation. Hmm. The process of creating ATP uh, without oxygen. Jesus Christ! That's the You're definition me of straight back to biology. Yeah, bro. this is a uh, shout out to Mr. Walter. I remember how much yeah. ATP does. Uh, how does an- it yield? Does anaero- oh, I don't anaerobic on. respiration is like a can we six define or something? Right? Can we define ATP? Is this ATP is- adenosine triphosphate? It is what your cells use to uh, use energy. Damn. It's your energy molecule. I took AP Bio. A- <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about the effects this particular chemical compound has upon you. Yeah, and we got a little uh, a scientific mumbo-jumbo excerpt here about the effects of alcohol. This, this uh, kind of looks like the what you'd read on the label, you know? Alcohol produces happiness and euphoria, decreased anxiety, increased sociability, sedation, impairment of cognitive memory motor, and sensory functions, and generalized depression of central nervous system function. The pleasurable effects of alcohol of alcohol ingestion are the result of increased levels of dopamine and, and endogenous opioids in the reward pathways of the brain. In layman's terms... Getting fucked up is cool. No, makes just... feel, <laughs> it makes you feel, it makes you feel good. good. Yeah, makes you feel good. So how do we make alcohol? How is it made? Um, the the alcohol we drink is known as ethanol or ethyl alcohol. All right, because there, there's a few different ways to ferment things and get alcohol-type products, but mm-hmm. not all of them are safe to consume. 
Right. Methanol is an alcohol you can't drink, and so is isopropyl. Don't drink those. No, don't do that. Nope. But uh, ethanol, that's what we're that's what we're looking for. Or, yeah, or ethanol is the good alcohol. one. That's the one that we can consume. Food mm-hmm. grade. It's made when yeast ferments the sugars found in grains or fruits or vegetables. Yeah. Let's get into some different, uh, we're going to get into the list of different types of alcoholic beverages in Tolkien. Let's start with the first one. Um, one of the most popular beverages ever, beer. Yeah, in real life and fiction. Beer. You know? yeah, everybody loves beer. Everybody, I love beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. Have you ever heard that song? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old like country song or some shit. So beer is the oldest and most widely consumed alcoholic beverage in the world and third most drank potable liquid behind water and tea. I found that outrageous. <laughs> that's like pretty far up there, actually. Yeah, that's pretty far up It's there. above milk. That's what? a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. pretty, that's, when you put it in that context, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't fit in in Middle Earth, no. <laughs> like what? orange juice, milk, like oh, these are all lower than beer? What the fuck? <laughs> We're such a boozing culture. Holy Well, this shit. is in the context of real life, right? This is real life, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Most widely, yep. Oldest widely, yep. Wait. Oh, I just thought this was Tolkien. This no, was real this life? No, this is in real life, dude. Yeah, dude. This is no. real life we're talking about Yeah, here. this is not Tolkien. <laughs> this is in real life. It's the third most po- drank potable liquid behind water and tea. Bam. That blows me away. Okay. Yeah. Beer fucking rules, you guys. So I beer, don't. Uh, yeah. It's generally made from fermented cereal grains like malt barley, wheat, corn, rice, oats. Uh, the oldest records of beer are from ancient Mesopotamia. Yeah, the Code of Hammurabi, which is the oldest recorded set of laws, um, includes laws regulating beer and beer establishments. Yeah, prayer to the beer goddess was popular. Uh, also a way to remember the recipe for beer. Because um, writing was new and most people were illiterate. Yeah. Yeah. I was honestly going to track down that fucking prayer and put it in here, but this episode is way too long. <laughs> you've, you've done well, my friend. Thank you. So beer was instrumental in building civilizations throughout time. For, for uh, example, ancient Egypt. Uh, their beer was given to workers and uh, crucial to building the Great Pyramids. Yeah, how much, just guess before we tell you, how much beer do you think a worker on the Great Pyramids drank every day this is ridiculous four to five liters is the answer you guys per day per person per day that's a lot of that's a lot beer. of fucking a lot of beer. fucking beer. a lot of beer Holy for a worker shit. yeah so let's get into some examples of beer within tolkien in the legendarium now yeah so of course in the shire fucking everywhere all yeah. the time too many to list as specific examples, really. Yeah, yeah you can, uh, a lot of places in Tolkien, it's pretty much implied that people are drinking beer all the time. All the time. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, except up until when, what happened? The Scouring of the Shire. Yeah. When it was made illegal. Yeah, that the, fucking sucks. The, yeah. The, the Shire prohibition, if you will. That's one of the things that makes sna- Sam snap. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no smoke, no alcohol, and a bunch of orc talk. I think that's what he says. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's like, yeah, no, I've had it up to here. Yeah. So uh, there's also beer known in the Wilderland, for example, like uh, people partying in Lake Town. Yeah, especially the uh, the dwarves, right? When they got there in the Hobbit, they they had a huge party for them. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So before they sent them off to the Lonely Mountain. Yeah. You also find beer up in the Nort. In the Nort. In the up Nort. in the Nort. The, up north for the weekend. The beer at the Prancing Pony in Bree is renowned. That's right. And the, yep. the trolls in The Hobbit are drinking 
beer when Bilbo discovers them. Yeah, mm-hmm. beer's fucking everywhere. Even the trolls are drinking Even beer. Even the trolls are getting wasted. Yeah, so now let's talk about another similar uh, alcoholic substance to beer. Technically uh, a type of beer, really. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah. gonna, well, we're talking about ale here. Ale. Ale is another big drink that's uh, explicitly mentioned within Tolkien. Yeah, and, and that's a type of beer made with a warm fermentation method. Uh, and that results in a sweet, full-bodied, and fruity taste. So historically, uh, ale was used to refer to a beer brewed without hops, although nowadays that's not necessarily the case. No. Nope. Traditionally, Groot was used as a bittering agent. Interesting. I am Groot? I am Groot. Wait, is that a type of plant? <laughs> no, it's a, a mix of herbs, I found. It's a, it's like a liquid, uh, like a tincture of herbs. Okay. I was going to list all the herbs, but again... Too it's long. A, it's a lot. That's, a lot. It's it's Groot okay. spelled like fruit, but with a G. Exactly. Yep. Not Groot like I'm Groot, but Groot like fruit. Ah, okay. So the the modern uh, ales use hops essentially to replace the Groot? Exactly. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was very popular in medieval times, too. Oh, yeah. It was actually very important to daily life. 80% of a, pe- a peasant's caloric intake for the day came from uh, grain. Yeah, and much of that caloric grain intake was in the form of ale. It's kind of gross to think about. You're, dr- you're like drinking you're liquid drinking your, bread. You're drinking bre- your lunch, yeah. Fermented bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, monks uh, Westminster Abbey drank a gallon a day. Jesus. Yeah, dude. And these dudes, they're, they're monks. They're fucking minimalists, right? So like how much did a regular person drink every day? <laughs> like if the monks, the minimalist dudes that don't even wear shoes and shit are drinking a gallon a day, how much are regular people drinking? Has, has humanity just been drunk yes forever <laughs> yes that badly huh? yes we've been drunk since we were apes yes <laughs> yeah so essentially the alcoholic content in the ale is what made it potable for people to drink that's kind of why they drank it that's how they got clean liquid to drink yeah clean water in that's, europe uh, was hard to find that's how they're getting their water okay yeah they just pick up some mud water ferment it and drink it i guess yeah once the roman empire fell uh, all the water was nasty europe was overpopulated and it sucked well we got some examples of ale and tolkien here yeah in the shire farmer maggot offers ale on tap to the hobbits as they pull up to his place that's fancy as fuck yeah yeah ales drank alongside beer throughout the shire yeah and in the north it's uh served at the prancing pony of course the prancing pony what a stand-up establishment yes we'll talk more about them later actually yeah they serve them in what pints there it comes in pints it comes in pints (laughs) so let's let's talk about about more booze uh, yeah more booze more types of booze more drinks so we talked about beer and ale now let's talk about wine one of the most another one of the most popular ways to drink alcohol one of my favorites oh yeah it's an alcoholic beverage made from yeast fermenting the sugars of specifically fruit most commonly grapes most commonly but you can make it out of fucking anything yeah any 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 fruit at all and uh, vegetables too you can make it out of dandelions there, yeah, dandelion wine. Yeah, dandelion wine is like a poor people thing in the in the U.S. Our old uh, high school teacher used to make wine in his spare time. And Shout out to Mr. Walter. This is the second yeah. time he's came Mr. up in the Mr. episode. Mr. Walters, yeah, yeah, really cool. He makes some real. They made some really good homemade wine. There was a while where my sister would nanny for them, and a couple times he paid her in homemade wine. In homemade wine, and nice. it was, or I don't know if it was full payment or just like tip, but either way, it was really fuck cool. That's it was awesome. really good. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the idea of brewing. I've always wanted to get into it, but yeah, it's just kind of an expensive hobby. Yeah, the earliest examples we know of wine, uh, one of them we have is the Caucasus Mountain region. Yes, also known of, uh, known as uh, where the Caucasians come from. 
Uh, nice. Okay. Yeah, Caucasians. Um, so that's in modern day Georgia, the uh, country, not the state. And that's around 6,000 BCE. Cross that of things I always wanted to know but never looked up. Where Caucasians come from. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. There you go. So some examples of wine within Tolkien. So jumping back into the Shire, we've got specifically Old Winyards, a particularly strong red wine from the South Farthing. Oh, yeah, very popular, very famous. Bilbo has a collection of it. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, f- yeah, that's our next on the list, too. Known in the Shire, known for miles around, is Bilbo and Frodo's large-ass wine collection. Huge wine collection. Yeah, and they actually made it a point to say that Frodo did not sell it to the Sackville Bagginses when he sold the house. <laughs> the wine Frodo's was too important. The wine comes with. Fuck you guys, I'm taking all the wine. Yep. Oh yeah, I'm sure their wine was just uh, to die for. They had uh, a bag end actually has a beer barrel in the cellar, to, or like in the, I don't know if it's in the cellar, but it's like a, there's a, they have a legit beer barrel. For like tapping? They got like for, aging? Uh, for draft beer. Oh, oh yeah. hell yeah! You mean draught? Draught beer, draught beer. Yeah. draft. Ah, oh, British people. Yeah. What about what about in Gondor? What do Gondor Gondorians drink? Well, yeah, the Dunedain Rangers. We talked about this earlier a little bit. The Dunedain Rangers drink a pale yellow wine that is their Dunedain liquor. It has a similar effect to the Mirovir, and Frodo and Sam are given this drink by Faramir after being brought to Hennethanun. Uh, we got a quick excerpt here from the Two Towers, Book Four, Chapter Five. Window on the West by Danny. The wine coursed in their veins and tired limbs, and they felt glad and easy of heart as they had not done since they left the land of Lorien. It just chills you out, sounds like. Yo, I, I would love, sign me up for this Dunedain wine, baby. I wonder what it tastes like. You know, I'm not, I've never been a huge drinker just because, I mean, my stomach can't really handle it. Mm-hmm. Hangovers are not my thing. I hate that. Yeah. But that that uh, little warm feeling that it's talking about when you've had just enough, like a, a drink or so, or maybe a you know something a little strong, and you feel that warm feeling pulsing mm-hmm. through you is just that is a nice feeling. Yeah, I you, love you, that. Shit, yeah, yeah, I do like that. You de- and you definitely don't want Joel to drink too much because, <laughs> and uh, if uh, I'm gonna embarrass Joel here, hopefully that's uh, okay. It's it's a publicly it's known. publicly it's public knowledge that Joel is the loudest vomiter I've ever. <laughs> fucking heard in my life oh my god you You can hear it through walls you two can attest because you've known me forever i mean trevor you listen i I lived with you yeah yeah you've heard me through the bathroom walls. i'm pretty sure he kicks his legs around (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely some moments where i was like sitting on the couch and i was like oh damn is he okay like so like if it's it's like if a normal person vomited but also screamed while they did it (laughs) That's what it sounds like. I can't help it. It's the way it's I always know, Joel. been. It's I, just how God made you. I so. wish I could be a gentle <laughs> vomiter. People, some people, they're just like, oh yeah, let me just go, let me just go throw up real quick, and they'll just like open their mouth just and they're just like, Bloop. Yeah. They'll just slide on out. <laughs> I don't know. My body doesn't work that way. Anytime it happens, it's very violent and it hurts. It's awesome. I'm gonna record it next time it's it happens around awesome. me. Oh my god. <laughs> well, Joel, we can, let's bring it back to that warm feeling uh, that you get. Something if you want to not drink alcohol, but you still want that kind of warm feeling, mm-hmm. make a hot chocolate, mm-hmm. put a little cayenne pepper in it. That's really mm. fucking weird. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. It's like, it's a spicy hot chocolate. Interesting. I'll have to try that sometime. Nice. Well, let's get back to wine. Let's talk about some, uh, oh, let's get into this. This is fun. The Lake Town Mirkwood connection, as mm. I called it. Um, in, in Thranduril's Halls in Mirkwood, they love getting fucked up. Yeah, they do. They, they have 
feasts all the time. They love drinking that wine. Yeah, there's a known trade network for wine between Thranduil and the men of Lake Town. Yeah, this is because vines didn't grow in Mirkwood, so all their beloved wine had to be obtained in trade. You know, the men of Lake Town ferry barrels of wine up the river running to Mirkwood. The empty barrels are sent back down river to Lake Town. And uh, this is how Bilbo Humps, Thorn, and company escape the oven halls in the quest for Erebor. Yeah, they're yeah. sneaky escaping the barrels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sneaky escape. Let's talk about another type of, uh, of liqueur slash uh, booze. Um, this one is something that is a new friend of mine. I, mm. was, I, I was introduced to this at Renfest this year, mm. and it's one of my new favorite soft liquors. Okay. Mead. Mead. Mead is delicious. I've talked about it on the show how I'd never tried it before. Yeah. Update. I've tried it. <laughs> it's delicious. I love it. And I would love to get real fucked up on it one time. It would be fun. Yeah, right in the same vein as like uh, beer or ale, but higher alcohol content. Oh yeah, right? maybe that's how I love it. Yeah, yeah. sweeter, higher alcohol content because of it, because all the extra sugar. It's got higher alcohol, but yeah. let, let's get into it. what is so, it. So well, yeah, what is mead? Trevor, why don't you tell us? Uh, mead is made from fermenting the sugars in honey mixed with water. Uh, fruits, grains, spices, or hops are sometimes added to alter the flavor, uh, and it can be more than 20% alcohol by volume. Yeah, that's I love pretty that. good. That's pretty good. That, I'm pretty sure that shit at the Renfest. Shout out to the people that do the mead booth at the Renfest. Yeah, they got good shit. Oh my god, that mead is so good. I I was I had like two or three of them, and I was like, woohoo! Yeah. yeah, I feel like you're uh, if you're going off of the previous uh, option like wine, you know, you find most wines are probably somewhere between like 12, like, 13, like, right? like twelve, thirteen. Maybe you'll find a 16, 18 if it's something yeah. crazy. But like a mead, twenty percent, baby. It's the it's the next step, right? Yeah, and what I love about mead too is like it's literally honey water and delicious shit just mm-hmm. whatever you could find that's delicious yeah. throw it in the mead make it taste good yeah i always fantasize about mead like being awesome and every time i try it it's just not <laughs> see not i think funny, <laughs> some meads have a funny aftertaste that i can't get by i don't know what it is it's like a leather boot or something but i just, love it i was surprised by how much i loved it well, where they they used the, the guy had a lot of mead in the Rohirrim. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's get into some examples of mead in the Legendarium, the Rohirrim. Yeah, they're famed for their love of mead, actually. Yeah, Med- Metaseld was made as a giant mead hall, more or less, and uh, Metaseld even means mead hall in Old English. Yep. True shit. In Lorien, the Fellowship drinks from the cup of parting. It is described as a white mead, and uh, we've got an excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring, Book Two, Chapter Eight. Farewell to Lorien, read by Joel. Then she brought the cup to each of the company and bade them drink in farewell. But when they had drunk, she commanded them to sit again on the grass, and chairs were set for her and for Celeborn. Her maidens stood silent about her while she looked upon her guests. At last she spoke again. We have drunk the cup of parting, she said, and the shadows fall between us. Yo, Joel, I just want to say your Galadriel voice is almost as good as Christopher Lee's Morrowind voice in Children of Fur in audiobook. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> just as as far as like a, a, a dude doing a feminine voice, very good. Very good. Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about another famous drink in Tolkien. Yeah, this one's very potent, actually. <laughs> yeah, this is the Entdraught, or as I guess we would say it here, Entdraft. Draft, yes, that's how, you know, British people spell it. This is apparently the only thing that Ents consume, and there are two kinds, one for refreshment, one for nourishment. Yep, food and water. 
Uh, Pippin and Mary are the only uh, known non-Ents to ever have consumed Ent Draft. Uh, and it makes them straight up grow a few inches and uh, makes them the tallest hobbits ever. And they, <laughs> their hair, yeah, curls and shit. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got an excerpt here read by Trevor from Two Towers Book 4, Chapter 4, Treebeard. The drink was like water. Indeed, very like the taste of the drafts they had drunk from the entwash near the borders of the forest, and yet there was some scent of savor in it which they could not describe. It was faint, but it reminded them of the smell of a distant wood borne from afar by a cool breeze at night. The effect of the draft began at the toes and rose steadily through every limb, bringing refreshment and vigor as it coursed upwards right to the tips of the hair. Indeed, the hobbits felt that the hair on their heads was actually standing up, waving and curling and growing. That's crazy. Yeah, wild. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, you're probably thinking like, well, how do you know this is alcoholic? Because of this. A fun fact, uh, Tribute actually says this. He has to lay down after drinking it, or drinking too much, rather, I guess, um, because it'll go straight, rise to his head, and he will fall asleep. <laughs> yep, that sounds so, that sounds like alcohol. Sounds like yeah. a little bit of booze. Here's a this is a little bit of a gray area here, an area of contention. Hard liquor in Middle Earth, and that means by that I mean distilled spirits. Mm. Yeah, as far as we know, there are no examples of distilled spirits in Tolkien, with one possible exception, the Mirovoir. Yeah, that we mentioned earlier, the uh, cordial of Imladris, right? Yes. Yeah, it's specifically described as a, quote, liquor. Yeah, in modern times, this usually refers to distilled spirits, but the traditional use of the word just means any beverage that has alcohol in it. So it's ultimately unknown whether this is distilled or not. Right. Yeah, it's said that the Dunatine have a similar drink, but it is unknown whether or not that is distilled either. So Yeah, well, we talked about that earlier, too, the Dunatine mm-hmm. wine, right? Honestly, I mean, being that it's the only occurrence, it, yeah. it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, well, yeah, and well, here's another thing too. Let's talk about a, a specific distilled spirit uh, that is mentioned in the text. That uh, uh, brandy, brandy, right? Um, so here's the thing. Uh, this is a whole internet hole I went down. Fun fact: a, a lot of folks think that the Brandy Rhine River, the name itself, is proof that hobbits distilled wine into brandy. But this is actually more likely a Westernized word based on the Sindarin name for the river, Baranduin. That seems more likely in my in, yeah. in my in my opinion. And that meant golden brown water. But then there was also some people on the internet that argue, well, is golden brown water denoting what brand what brandy looks like? Because it's kind of golden brown, right? So like it's it's a whole thing. It could go either way at that point. Yeah. But in fact there are no explicit references to hobbits having made or consumed brandy in the text. However, though, most cultures that have vena culture, that is wine technology, do discover brandy eventually. I love that. Wine technology. Yeah, vena culture. That's what it's called. Um, so let's get into some specific instances of boozing it up in the text, guys. Where people are Party getting it up. crunk. Crunk as fuck, as it were. So we've got uh, a very famous example of people having fun and getting litty. The unexpected party. Oh, yeah. The dwarves, they drink beer and ale. While Gandalf requests a glass of red a wine. A glass of red wine, dear sir. He what has Refine, yeah. Yeah, what a class act, right? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we also next have the long-expected party. Oh, yeah. Which had every kind of alcohol available, from beer to ale, wine from the south farthing. And let's be honest, because Bilbo spared no expense, 
probably booze from everywhere. Yeah. They probably had mead made, made by the Bjornings and the, from the Rohirrim. And like, could you imagine? Bjorning mead. Bjorning be mead. Beautiful. Ooh. He had to have had like a whole separate booth for his exotic booth. Yeah, dude. Like, where it's just like, come boozes. drink. Come get fucked up on things you never knew existed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> List of exotic drinks. We got them from Mordo. <laughs> Mines of Moria. Yeah. You had me at get fucked up, Bilbo. <laughs> uh, another fun example, one that I love, is uh, when Thorn and company stay at the last lonely, lonely, uh, homely house in Rivendell. Yeah, and that bothers me. In remember in the movie, they act like it's like, oh, there's no beer and there's no food here. There's no it's meats like, here. All they eat is elvish greens. Yeah, what is it's like this what the fuck is that? No, they had roaring no. fires and. Malt beer. <laughs> they did actually, though. I know they, that's yeah. a, I know that's a dwarf. That's a dwarf line, line but, but yeah, they did have those things. Yeah, they the have. Be- yeah, elves love drinking just as much as everybody else in Middle Earth, baby. It's literally it's explicitly said that there's like a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah, in Rivendell. Yeah, it's whatever you want it to be, baby. Speaking of Rivendell, another instance of people partying it up is when the hobbits go to Rivendell during the uh, the War of the Ring storyline. Oh yeah, they have a little feast and uh, they meet Gloin and stuff. And yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's the whole thing. Um, another instance is a boozing. Uh, the hobbits at the Prancing Pony, they have a little bit too much booze That's on this occasion. Right. <laughs> yeah, they kind of give away some key information. Yeah, Frodo's a little bit too tipsy. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I love about Tolkien is even these like main characters who we're supposed to love and appreciate so much and look up to, every now and then they get drunk. Yeah, they're still pretty. And it's they're, cool. They're still you know? pretty innocent with some stuff, right? Like it's yeah. totally chill. Yeah. Uh, we should also talk about the elves in Mirkwood. Oh yeah. yeah. The yeah we talked about that Thranduil connection, the Mirkwood Lake down connection earlier. Yeah, Thranduil is definitely fond of his wine. In particular, it says Thranduil is fond of wine. In particular, and Bilbo actually uh, switches. Thranduil's wine with the regular wine to make the guards pass out in The Hobbit. And uh, yeah, so (laughs) Thranduil's wine was apparently a lot stronger than the regular stuff. Oh, he had special wine, gotcha. Yeah, it was the king's wine, yep. Yeah, they didn't notice the taste? (laughs) You definitely notice the taste when your wine is like... Quality? Yeah. Um, Theoden and uh, Aragorn, they also drink together at Meduseld. Um, They drink wine brought to them in a cup by Eowyn. And uh, yeah, the whole, like we said earlier, the whole building is actually just a giant mead hall. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of drinking going on so in there. So yeah, anytime anyway. you're in there, you'd be drinking mead. There's also uh, Lake Town. That's when Thorn and company, they get a little pampered on their way to the Lonely Mountain. Oh yeah, When they stop in Lake Town. We've got Pippin and Mary at Isengard. They offer their guests wine or beer. And they also be smoking, which we're about to get into in a little bit here. That's right. right. Frodo and Sam at Hedith Hanoon. They drink the Dunedain liquor given to them by Faramir. Yeah, Farmer Maggot, uh, Frodo and company, they drink beer at dinner. He offers them ale, but then they drink beer, which is, you know, whatever, but that's what happens. Yeah, let's also just mention a few of the famous bars or taverns or other places to drink in Middle Earth. Yeah. Because let's face it, Middle Earth is just a good place to get fucked up in general. But yeah, here's some places if you're a tour in Middle Earth and you want to get fucked up, here's some places you can go. The Green Dragon, of course. Of course. And then we got the Golden Perch, which is uh, actually located in Stock, which is near the Brandywine Bridge. Okay, okay. And Pippin says it's the best beer in the East Farthing. And he's mm-hmm. mad because they won't let him go there. Oh, this is during the scouring, right? No, this is uh, when they're leaving the Shire. Oh, when they're about to leave. Remember, okay. he says uh, he says short, oh, shortcuts yeah. make for uh, extra time, but inns make longer ones or something like oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. 
We've also mentioned it several times. The Prancing Pony. <laughs> owned by Barlaman Butterbur. It's been in his family for generations. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, not only is this a good place to get fucked up, it's a very important place to network and shit like that, yeah, right? Yeah, in general. The Dunedain Rangers congregate there. That's where Frodo meets Aragorn. Uh, Thorn and Gandalf end up meeting there, where, and that's where they plan the quest for Erebor. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, their beer kicks ass. Yeah, another thing, straight up kicks ass. And one of the reasons it kicks ass even more is because in the Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf blesses the beer, and he says it, quote, he says, may it have, quote, an enchantment of excellence for seven years. Hell yeah, Gandalf. Yeah, and Dude, then what? when they come back in the end of the book, Barlaman Butterbur is like, the beer is so fucking good. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah. What a boon to receive. Yeah, That's, dude. Wow. Yeah, Metaseld, another place to get fucked up, of course. Of course. The last homely house. Yeah, Elrond's place. Lorien's another good place. Oh, yeah, a lot of partying. Mirkwood, they love to drink as well. And yeah, Lake Town, like we said earlier, too. Get that wine. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the second most popular recreational drug in Tolkien. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I can't wait for this. This is pipeweed, guys. That's right. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, pipeweed. We're, we're going there. Pipeweed is... What is it? What is it? It's a leaf that hobbits use as a recreational drug by the means of smoking via pipe. Hence the name pipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Pipes are made from clay or wood, typically, and uh, apparently the art of smoking herbs was done by hobbits even before the cultivation of pipeweed. So it wasn't the first thing hobbits put in a pipe and smoked. Nope. We have a excerpt here from the Fellowship of the Ring, the uh, prologue, actually, concerning pipeweed. This, he says is the one art that we can certainly claim to be our own invention. When hobbits first began to smoke is not known. All the legends and family histories take it for granted. For ages, folk in the Shire smoked various herbs, some fouler, some sweeter. And that's from uh, an excerpt from an excerpt that's uh, in the prologue of Lord of the Rings. It is an excerpt from Herb Lore of the Shire by Mary Brandybook. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, this also leads me to believe one thing that's going to come in, in, into play here in a second. This leads me to believe that uh, hobbits would have no qualms with smoking weed in real life. Smoking cannabis, right? Okay. I could see it. Yeah. Um, and I also uh, want to say that this probably also proves that Tolkien knew about smoking of other herbs. Um, and since his beloved hobbits engaged in smoking of random herbs... Maybe he even self himself knew about smoking cannabis. Maybe he was even cool with it. I mention this because in the great debate, people claim that he's not even familiar with it at all. And I think those people probably need to study history a little bit better. Get it. Yeah. But where where does pipeweed grow? So pipeweed it grows it's a plant that grows wild in warm climates, such as Gondor. Uh not typically used for smoking there, but it's known as sweet galenus or Westman's weed. Yeah. Highly cultivated in the Shire, of course. Because of the colder climate of the north, pipeweed can only be cultivated in warm, sheltered areas. Yeah, usually on the slopes of hills. Two famous places would be Bree Hill and Longbottom. Ooh, does that mean uh, the tavern in Bree also would have easy access to... Yeah, we t- uh, we're going to talk about uh, the... Uh, yeah, the Prancing Pony's big on smoking. We're going to get into that in a second, here, actually. Yeah, so let's get into the origins of smoking pipeweed here. So it has some Numenorean origins. Uh, It was brought from Numenor to Middle-earth in the Second Age. 
Yeah, and just as a uh, an asterisk here, I do want to mention that this is listed in several places online, but I, for the life of me, could not find it in the text. Okay. So I'm going to say it's Take it a, a plausible. Okay. Yeah. The cultivation in the North Kingdom. Let's start about, Let's start there, though. Yeah, it was first cultivated by a hobbit known as Tobold Hornblower around the year uh, 1070 SR. Shire Reckoning. Shire Reckoning. Uh, yes, which would be Third Age 2670. Yeah, and that was under Thane Isengrim Took the Second. What a name. Yeah, Isengrim or Isengrim, depending on, we, we've debated on how to pronounce I right. words. That's right. <laughs> Um, the the region of the South Farthing became the center for the growing industry in the Shire. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the uh, cultivars of, of pipeweed. Yeah, which is basically what we would call strains, right? Some of the different if strains. Yeah, strains, cultivars. Cultivars is when you're talking about crops like apples. Like a Honeycrisp is a type of cultivar of apple, right? Ooh. Yeah. So one of the cultivars, Longbottom Leaf, and that's named after the region in the Shire that it's grown in. We've also got Old Toby, named after Mr. Tobold Hornblower himself. Yeah. Got the Southern Star, which is grown in the South Farthing, named for star-shaped leaves. Yeah, we got South Lynch, which is grown in Bree. So let's get into usage. Who be smoking, basically? That's what this section should be called. Who be smoking, and where they be smoking? They be smoking it in the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> Their the, usage is in sh- insane. Yeah, basically all of the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere in the Shire. All the time. Everywhere, all the time. Hobbits be smoking before meals, after meals, when they wake up. While they're gardening. Know? Like, you know, every, you know, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, all the time. Let's talk about use among non-Hobbits, though. So they did spread this to other uh, peoples, this this art. Yeah, one example is uh, is it spreading to dwarves because, of course, the dwarves were big into trading and they probably picked up the art while and trade routes through the northern regions. Yeah, and also it spread to men of the north. The men of Bree are also prolific smokers. Yeah, Breeland Hobbits consider themselves the originators of the art of smoking. Mary considers the Prancing Pony the center for the art of smoking. That yeah. would make it a pretty cool place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. The pr- the more I learn about the Branzing Pony, the more I seem like it's, I think it's like the coolest place to hang out in Middle Earth. I, I think it's pretty far up there on my most sought after places yeah. to visit in would, Middle Earth. Yeah, would love to hang out with Barlamin for a little bit. But you know who else be smoking? Them Dunedain Rangers be smoking too. Hell yeah, that's right. Also, of course, just the Numenorians in general. Maybe it is truly is if uh, if it uh, you know they're using the plant, but they're not smoking it, as far okay. as we're aware. Um, but they brought it to Middle Earth for some reason, if that's true. So it must have had some value to them. Clearly, unclear what that is. Yeah, sure. you know, medicinal or not? Yeah, this guy. You know that one friend. You know that one friend you have that like smokes weed and gives weed a bad name because they're an asshole. Mm. That's this next person, Saruman. Saruman, <laughs> fucking asshole. Yep. Yeah, openly a hater of it. Yep. He began to smoke in secret sometime at the end of the Third Age, though. What a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. His uh, connection to pipe weed became pretty key in the story, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. We all know who else smokes. Gandalf, Gandalf be smoking. Course. Yeah, he he learned to smoke from the hobbits. It's known to blow some pretty crazy ass smoke rings. Probably using magic. Yeah, because as you recall, Gandalf or Olorin is a fire spirit, right? Yeah, so it sounds like smoke and fire would be something he could probably manipulate a little bit. Oh yeah, loves it. Well, he also has the the ring, right? I suppose he could probably ring of fire. Yeah, use the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gandalf would be a perfect smoking buddy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Of all creatures made up or real. 
I would like to smoke with him the most. I yeah, man. I would <laughs> I would sign up for that. Give me that as my uh my end of life. Uh that's what happens. Yeah. Let's get into Pipeweed's role in the scouring of the Shire. Because it actually is like not only is it a fun thing to do in the story, it it's integral to the story of the scouring yeah, of the Shire. It plays a role. Yeah. So Lotho Pimple, Sackville Baggins, he originally had some sort of uh back alley deal with Saruman to sell him pipeweed. This is the means by which Saruman began to weasel his way into the inner workings of the Shire's economy. Uh, from there, he was able to usher in the authoritarian regime of Sharky and the Chief. Sharky and the Chief. Sharky and the Chief. Sharky and the Chief. Oh my god, we, that's our next parody song. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's. The part you've been all been waiting for, I'm sure. Well, are they going to talk about it? Are they going to talk about it? This is it, guys. The great debate. The great about, debate. The great debate. It's been going on for years about pipeweed. Is it psychoactive? Right. Is pipeweed really sort of supposed to be similar to what we know as weed? Weed? Or, or, is, or it, is it just tobacco? Or is it more like tobacco? Yeah. Yeah, so for years, this debate has raged amongst fans, and, and ultimately a lot of it comes down to po- the potency of the pipeweed. People debate, what is the potency? Right. So let's get into the first side of the argument. Side one, because we believe in being fair and balanced, right? Yeah. So on the first side, you've got people uh, like myself who believe pipeweed is nothing more than just like a strain of tobacco. It's described as both nicotiana and tobacco in the text. We have a quote from the Fellowship of the Ring, Prologue Concerning Pipeweed, read by Joel. There is another astonishing thing about hobbits of old that must be mentioned, an astonishing habit. The imbibed or inhaled, through pipes of clay or wood, the smoke of the burning leaves of an herb, which they called pipeweed or leaf, and a variety, probably, of nicotiana. A great deal of mystery surrounds the origin of this peculiar custom, or art, as the hobbits prefer to call it. Right, so there you have it. He says nicotiana. Later on in this same uh, pipeweed, concerning pipeweed, he uses the word tobacco. So that's side one. That's that's where I come from. Yeah, yeah. But we should also talk about side two. Flip flip the tape over. Yeah, let's flip the tape. Yeah, one of those old from the 90s, right? (laughs) Yeah. Cassette tape. (laughs) You remember those sick-ass uh, cassette players that switched sides for you? You didn't have to flip the tape? You could just push those a were button high to switch. That was, man. yeah, next uh, generation technology. Um, okay, let's get into the other side. And this is, today, I, I was very centrist about this debate until today, and I've done a decent amount of research on this, guys, and I did find some stuff, and I might be on the other side now. Mm. So the other side, pipeweed has a more potent effect than tobacco and may even have properties similar to cannabis. This was probably just wishful thinking. Or is it? And I used to say that this theory was just fun to play around with, you know, and fun because we're all stoners. It's fun, right? But and I ha- it had no foundation in text until I found this quote. And uh, we uh, Trevor's going to read it here. This is from obscure part of The Unfinished Tales, Chapter 3, The Hunt for the Ring. And this takes place at the White Council. Both the silence and the smoke seemed to greatly annoy Saruman, and before the council dispersed, he said to Gandalf, When weighty matters are in debate, Mithrandir, 
I wonder a little that you should play with your toys of fire and smoke while others are in earnest speech. But Gandalf laughed and replied, You would not wonder if you used this herb yourself. You might find that the smoke blown out cleared your mind of shadows within. Anyways, it gives patience to listen to err without anger. But it is not one of my toys. It is an art of the little people away in the West, merry and worthy folk, though not of much account, perhaps, in your high policies. Okay, guys, so right there, this, to me and many people, this does suggest that pipeweed does, in fact, probably have an effect on how the mind functions. And he says straight up, it gives you patience to deal with the dumbasses that you have to deal with every day. <laughs> it says patience to listen to air without anger, right? So it's like, I'm going to listen patiently and puff on this pipe while you say some stupid shit, right? And then it's, so it basically allows your mind to think about things in a different light. It quote, cleared the, your mind of the shadows within, right? That sounds a little bit more intense than nicotine in my opinion stronger effect yeah if, if it's clearing your mind of anything it's definitely like another way of saying it's like refocusing like it, tolkien would have have to be incredibly hyperbolic right now for me to believe that he was just talking about tobacco the effect of tobacco yeah yeah and and who's to say if it's uh if it's like what we would know as weed um or something like in between Right? Like it could be its own unique substance that they, Yeah, that who they, knows? That and ultimately, honestly, at the end of the day, this is a fun debate, but who cares? It's it's fantasy. The hobbits love doing it. Let them have their thing, man. Why we got to judge them on our the standards of our world, you know what I mean? It's unfair. It's true, and it's uh it's only really deemed a joyous thing. Like even even Saruman's like, "You know what? There's something about this that's just like well, my theory about Pos that positive Saruman started smoking because he's so paranoid and so jealous of Gandalf that he was like, "What is Gandalf getting out of this?" Yeah. Oh, so yeah. He what does this do it? to Gandalf mm -hmm. that I need? I need to have this power that this herb gives you. That was how. And that's my opinion, at least. Here, here's the, here's the thing. I feel though, right? It's uh, it's definitely a thing that you can do in private and secret, but there's a whole other level of it when you are doing it in the company of others. It's true. And, and yeah. Gandalf, definitely a socialite, doing it in public. That's what Saruman missed, man. Yep. He missed out on the power of friendship. Exactly, yeah. My sociology professor used to say when they were getting rid of the smoking sections at, at, <laughs> at Inver Hills, you remember this era, Joel? Oh, I remember that very well. Yeah, and uh, they, um, he used to say that it's, it's bad for um, sociability uh, to get rid of them because like these smoking sections are social hubs. They are, yeah. yeah. This is one of the few places that I would actually talk to people I don't know. Same, same here. All things considered, I'd say there's a pretty good chance pipeweed is uh, more potent than tobacco in the very least. And I had to add this section here. Um, Gandalf does a really alpha move here after this conversation with Saruman. So after the previous statement, uh, it was too long to add, Saruman responds by talking shit about the hobbits, even calls them peasants, right? And this pisses off Gandalf. Yeah, and we have an excerpt here about how Gandalf responds. And this is from The Unfinished Tales, Chapter 3. The Hunt for the Ring, read by Danny. Gandalf did not laugh again, and he did not answer. But looking keenly at Saruman, he drew on his pipe and sent out a great ring of smoke, and with many smaller rings that followed it. Then he put up his hand as if to grasp them, and they vanished. With that, he got up and left Saruman without another word. But Saruman stood for some time silent, 
and his face was dark with doubt and pleasure. Doubt and pleasure. Yeah. What an odd combination of feelings. But I just, have. I just love that. Like this reminds me of uh, my grandma. So my grandma was a prolific smoker. She used to smoke like two packs a day, like legit. And uh, she used to just smoke. This is in the 90s when like people weren't super smoking everywhere, but she would just straight up smoke everywhere, right? And we were in line at the buffet one time and somebody asked her to stop smoking and she just turned to them and blew cigarette smoke right in their face. <laughs> just bam, just blasted them. Oof. It was the ballsiest thing I've ever seen anybody do in my entire life. But yeah, that was my grandma. She was fucking crazy. Fuck. Yeah, she had more balls than I do. That's for damn sure. You're going to talk to me that way? <laughs> just... <laughs> okay, guys. Well, that's our section on uh, uh, pipe weed uh, and the great debate. Um, let us know what you guys think. Hit us up on the Discord or you know Twitter, social yeah, media. Yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think it's uh, more on the level of, uh, of uh, tobacco or do you think it's a little more psychoactive than that? Is it more on the level of a cannabis? Yeah, you've heard the arguments. Make your choice. All right, guys, let's get into some uh, some some more fun stuff here uh, on the 420 special. Let's talk about Tolkien and drug culture. That's right, yeah, because Tolkien has had a huge effect. Uh, drug usage was popular among the artists of the era when Tolkien exploded in popularity. So, I mean, I mean, let's face it, that's every era. Every era, drugs are popular with artists, right? Yeah. So some famous druggy Tolkien fans, and these are just uh, people that have known to, to do uh, marijuana or harder drugs. I didn't include alcohol on this list because everybody would be on the list, right? right. So uh, some famous fans include Stephen Colbert, James Franco, Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Partied hard in the 70s and 80s. Barack Obama. Also a former stoner. All of the Beatles. All of them did lots of drugs. And they actually wanted to make their own film adaptation of the books, but they were unable to get the rights. Tolkien didn't like that. Oh, that's right. The Beatles adaptation of The Lord of the Rings. That never was. That never happened. Yeah. Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin also. Very uh, famous Tolkien fans. Um, and then producer Dan from H3 Podcast. If you want, if you guys watch H three podcasts on YouTube, I had to add this one because I discovered this one myself. I was watching the show, and uh, Ethan, the host, brought up uh, elves. It was around Christmas time. They were talking about elves, mm. and he said, "Don't elves all elves have blonde hair?" And Dan chimes in, and he says, "Not all elves have blonde hair. It really depends on the type of elf. If you're talking about the Noldor or the Sindar elves." And I was like, yo, if you know that, like, you're pretty nerdy already. Already. You know? So, like, got to give it to Dan. He likes the party. He's a former stoner, and he also likes Tolkien. Shout out to Dan. Yeah. So, what time is it now, guys? I it's, think we know what time it is. It's actually time for something called, what time is it? What time is it? <laughs> Oddly enough. <laughs> what time is it is a sketch that uh, we did for the 420 special here. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. Enjoy, friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. It was in this time that Gandalf the Grey had first befriended the hobbits of the Shire. He was making his way around the Shire, learning all he could about the ways of the hobbits. He strolled merrily down a road in the south farthing. The sun was shining without a cloud in the sky. Birds sang in the trees as spring was coming into its fullness. Oh, what a beautiful day. By Varda, this is truly amazing country. He walked along, humming to himself and talking aloud. 
Oh, and what delightful little creatures these hobbits are. I love learning everything about their peculiar ways. <laughs> Just then, Gandalf stopped. He was passing through a grove of trees when he caught a sweet scent on the air. Ooh, what's this? What a marvelous scent. Gandalf sniffed again. The smell was coming from the grove of trees. He moved toward the grove. Well, perhaps I should follow my nose. Gandalf moved his way deeper into the trees following the scent. He saw through the trees that there was a clearing ahead, and in the middle was a large oak tree, and from behind it there was rising rings of smoke. Gandalf approached silently. He stood on the opposite side of the tree. There was a small voice and muffled coughing. <coughs> Ooh, tobe old horn blower. <coughs> You're a genius. Oh, this stuff is the shit. Gandalf peeked around the large oak and saw a hobbit. He was blowing smoke out of his mouth and nose. He puffed on a wooden pipe with a long stem. Oh, this is going to be big, Toby. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, we're going to grow so fucking much of this shit. Oh, man, this shit, it grows like... <coughs> it grows like weeds. Just then, the hobbit started giggling and puffing enthusiastically on the pipe. <coughs> I know. That's what I'll call it. <coughs> Pipeweed. Just then, Gandalf stepped around the tree and out into the open. He stood there, smiling at the hobbit. Good afternoon, young Tobald. Tell me, what have you got there, my lad? The hobbit looked up at Gandalf, startled. He was hunched over with the pipe in his hand. His eyes were half-closed. They were red and puffy. Oh, hey, get out of here, Gandalf. You don't want any of this shit. What is it? It's pipeweed. What does it do? Well, it makes everything more fun. That sounds most pleasant. But I bet it causes quite a headache the next morning. Like when I've had too much wine. <laughs> well, no, there's, there's no hangover, man. Gandalf rubbed his chin pensively. Well, it must, must be an exceedingly rare herb, then. Nah, grows like weeds, homie. But like I said... You don't want any of this. Gandalf looked at Tobold in the eye. They stared at each other through squinted eyes. Neither one of them spoke. I think I do. No, you don't. Yes. Yes, I think I do. Fine, but you better not tell anyone. Tobold repacked the pipe with the brown leaves. Gandalf provided the fire. The two puffed on the pipe with their back against the tree. Gandalf began to cough and his cough slowly turned into a giggle. Oh, goodness gracious. Gandalf and Tobold passed the pipe back and forth, both blowing smoke rings of various sizes. Gandalf spoke first. I must say, this is a most remarkable plant. Yeah, man. 
I want to smoke on this shit, like, every day, forever. Yeah, man. (laughs) 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 The laughing and coughing filled the air. They continued to pass the pipe back and forth, blowing more smoke rings. Hello there! A voice spoke, and a young hobbit with a feathered cap and a staff was standing there beaming. It was Pango Boffin, the sheriff. Hi there, Mr. Gandalf! Mr. Hornblower! Tobold leaped to his feet, frightened. He tossed the pipe into the woods. Oh shit, it's the cops! Run! Gandalf looked confused. Tobold grabbed Gandalf by the beard, pulling his face close to his. Fly, you fool! Tobold turned to run, but tripped over his own two furry feet. He fell to the ground face first. He lay there with his beet red eyes, staring wildly up at the sheriff. Suddenly, both Gandalf and the sheriff laughed. <laughs> <laughs> The two laughed so long and hard, the tumbled began to laugh too. Soon, they were all belly laughing. (laughs) 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 When they finally stopped, the sheriff spoke. Seriously? You guys? What are you doing over there? Tobold and Gandalf looked at each other. Gandalf shook his head. Smoking pipe weed? The sheriff's face lit up. Woo, goody! That sounds like fun! I want to smoke it too! Gandalf and Tobold stared at each other silently for a moment. Then they both shrugged. They packed the pipe again and passed it around. Soon, all three were laying against the tree laughing. (laughs) 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 Guys, 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 I just thought of something. What? If you guys are halflings, are Numenorians... Holings? The three burst out into laughter. They laughed and they laughed. Soon they were fast friends, all three. After a bout of laughter, Gandalf let out a sigh. <sighs> what time is it? Pango held his fingers out towards the sun. Almost half past four o'clock. All right. I've got an idea. We meet here to smoke pipe weed every day at this exact time. That is the best fucking idea I have ever heard. Killer. Now, let us smoke one for the road. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) 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 Hopefully you enjoyed that, guys. And hopefully you figured out what time it was. What time was it? <laughs> what time was it? What time was it, Mr. Fox? Hmm. Remember that game? What time is it, Mr. Fox? No. No. It was one of those kids' games. I can't remember the object of it. I was never a child. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what the fox said. All right, guys. Let's get back into it. 
So now we're going to talk a little bit about the time when Tolkien exploded in popularity, and that was the 1960s. So we're going to talk about Tolkien and the 1960s counterculture, baby. Woo! And here's some sociology 101. What's the counterculture definition, Joel? A counterculture is a culture whose values and norms of behavior differ substantially from those of mainstream society, sometimes diametrically opposed to mainstream culture moray. A counterculture movement expresses the ethos and aspirations of a specific population during a well-defined era. Yes, yes, yes. And believe it or not, Tolkien's work became quintessential to the baby boomer counterculture of the 1960s. Yeah, that's right. Tolkien exploded in the mid-1960s. And we've got an excerpt here from a, a BBC article, Hippies and Hobbits. Yeah, fantastic little article I found on this uh, subject here. Read by Trevor. It was a time of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Not to mention protest against the Vietnam War and marches for civil rights and women's movement. Who would think a figurehead for this social upheaval would be a tweedy Christian philologist at Oxford? But during the 1960s, a time of accelerating social change, driven in part by 42 million baby boomers coming of age, Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings became required reading for the nascent counterculture, devoured simultaneously by students, artists, writers, rock bands, and other agents of cultural change. The slogans, Frodo Lives, and Gandalf for President, festooned subway stations worldwide as graffiti. Yeah. It so, was, everyone was all over it. Yeah. Yeah, man. These hippies really friggin' love Tolkien. And, like, some of y'all are still around today. Maybe y'all are listening right now. I would honestly love to hear from you. These old, uh, you know, the, the old heads, the, the hippies, man. Hit yeah, us up. I didn't know either of those uh, phrases were a thing. Frodo lives and Gandalf for president. I'd seen that was uh, something. That was something yeah. new I learned. I've seen uh, Frodo lives uh, photos before, but I okay. yeah, that that was it. So let's talk about some of the movements of the 1960s and 70s that were uh, inspired by Tolkien. Yeah, I mean, there's the anti-war movement, the environmentalist slash anti-industrialist movements, and the feminist movement. And we have a uh, excerpt here from that same BBC article, Hippies and Hobbits, read by Danny Sir. Also appealing to the burgeoning anti-war, feminist, and civil rights movement activists was Tolkien's political subtext of the little people, the hobbits, and their wizard ally, leading a revolution. The military-industrial complex targeted by the protesters resembled Mordor in its mechanized, impersonal approach to an unpopular war. When he is drafted into bearing the ring to Mount Doom, Frodo feels an overwhelming longing to rest and remain in peace and in Rivendell. Those who laid the fight against Sauron's army stood reluctantly, hoping this would be, quote, the war to end all wars. Likewise, Lady Eowyn of Rohan, struggling to overcome the limits of patriarchal society, answered Aragorn's question, what do you fear, lady? with the lines that resonated among the second-wave feminists of the 1960s. A cage, Eowyn said, to stay by behind bars until youth and old age accept them, and all chance of doing great deeds is gone beyond recall or desire. I can imagine how that would be inspiring. Yeah. I, I do really like that quote. It's a mm -hmm. sick quote, yeah. Yeah, what a, what a brilliant thing to say. Like that, bam, wow, what a character. Yeah, Eowyn rules, I love her. Um, yeah, just... Really interesting stuff here that I, I didn't I didn't really know, guys. I didn't really know about this this connection between the 1960s and 70s counterculture and Tolkien. Uh, let's talk about what's what's big about the 60s counterculture. 
Rock and roll, baby. Let's yeah. talk about Tolkien and rock and roll. So we eventually want to do an episode more in depth on this topic because we could talk about it literally for hours. Yeah. Honestly, there's a whole episode to be made just about metal that is Tolkien related. And it turns out we just hired a metalhead to be on the show. Do you remember what his name is? I think it started with a T. T. Rever? Forever? T. Rever? T. Rever? I actually don't know anybody by that name. Oh, weird. Oh, shit. All right. Well, we should get a metalhead. No. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, Trevor's a metalhead, so he. Uh, I, f- I have a feeling in our future, Trevor, there's going to be you and me listening to hours of metal music about Tolkien together. That, that sounds fun. We're set up, set up with some lyrics and just see... How it, we <laughs> just study it, man. We just like, get into it, you know? All right, man. How well did they nail the canon? <laughs> right. We're, okay, so like we said, we're not going to get too into it, but we got a brief excerpt here kind of summarizing uh, 1960s and 70s rock and roll um, with Tolkien, and this is from that same article, Hippies and Hobbits. In 1970... Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and Genesis all had Lord of the Rings themed songs on their charts. In the opening verse of Led Zeppelin's Ramble On, Robert Plant sings, quote, "'Twas in the darkest depths of Mordor I met a girl so fair, but Gollum and the evil one crept up." Two 1971 Led Zeppelin songs, Misty Mountain Hop and The Battle of Evermore, in which, quote, "'The Ring Wraiths Ride in Black,' also were inspired by Tolkien." Uh, Black Sabbath's The Wizard is an anthem for Gandalf. Genesis's Stagnation was clearly influenced by the Middle-Earth ethos. Rush recorded Rivendell, based on the Elven homeland, in 1975 and followed in 1976 with The Necromancer, that was Tolkien's original name for Sauron, who keeps watch with, quote, magic prism eyes, end quote. This groundbreaking music mirrored the mind-expanding drugs magical excursions, pagan celebrations, and bohemian lifestyle associated with the counterculture and characters in Tolkien books. Yeah, there you have it, guys. That's Tolkien and the counterculture of the 1960s in a nutshell. Yeah, he had he had quite an influence on it. And like we said, we will definitely have more to come in the future when it comes to Tolkien's influence on music. Oh, yeah. Especially we, we've been, we've literally been planning on doing a music episode since season fucking one. It's just been a little daunting. It's yeah, been a little it's, intimidating. Because it's, it's going to be listening to a lot of fucking music. It's yeah. gonna. It's also just going to be a lot. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. hey, in that quote itself, you listed off several things. Right there. We already yep. can just go listen to. Yep, exactly. Um, so let's get into final thoughts, guys. Final thoughts on drug culture and Tolkien culture. They're still very much to this day very intertwined. There's a huge crossover because, frankly, a lot of Tolkien fans are a lot like Tolkien characters. We really love to fucking party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all hobbits at heart, really. And I think all of us, including Tolkien, would agree that some drugs can be really fun and beneficial. Medicinal. Uh, it sounds like like all the alcohols we talked about, all of them were like give you vitality or something. Right. Like, it's true. Yeah, they yeah. all had a positive benefit. Yeah. A yeah. lot of recreational substances do come from uh, originally being used for medical purposes and mm-hmm. religious things. So yeah, like the the orc stuff, just healing the pace. You know, just healing them. Yeah, and if you don't agree with us that Tol- that uh, Tolkien would agree that some drugs are fun and beneficial, check this out. At the end of the Scouring of the Shire. The Earth literally gives the hobbits fire-ass drugs to make up for the scouring. And uh, 
We've got a uh, excerpt here from The Return of the King, Book 6, Chapter 9, The Grey Havens, and this is going to be read by Trevor. In the south farthing, the vines were laden, and the yield of leaf was astonishing. And everywhere there was so much corn that at harvest every barn was stuffed. The north farthing barley was so fine that the beer of 1420 malt was long remembered and became a byword. Right. Like those drugs were so fire that they still talk about them. Like that's how fire those drugs were. 1420 malt. Yep. Never forget. Yeah. The beer of 1420. The beer of 1420. Yeah, they go on to say in there, people would say that was a real 1420 if you had a good beer. Ah, yeah. That's fun. We should bring that back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's bring that to modern day. That would be a deep cut. 1420? That would be a Pretty close to 420. It's got 420 in it. I didn't even notice that. 1420. 1420. So, but we also must uh, go, it goes without saying that it is best to consume drugs safely in a controlled environment and in moderation if you are celebrating anything. Of course. Of course, of course. But uh, as another final thought, I really found it fascinating that Tolkien was a counterculture icon. Yeah, because today the Tolkien fandom is trying to be claimed more or less by the right wing, uh, or at least the right wing as we know it here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's total bullshit. Yeah, today in the fandom, uh, those who talk the loudest kind of can tend to feature some views that are contrary to the ones espoused by Tolkien's work, which is really confusing to me. And these are uh, including but not limited to misogyny, pro-war stances, racism, bigotry, and exclusionary attitudes, pro-capitalism slash commercialization, pro-industrialization, and anti-environmentalist. Yeah, very much against a lot of Tolkien's (laughs) frequent themes in his writing. Yeah. And I would also like to go and ahead and say that I would very much consider KOT a descendant of these original counterculture hippies. Absolutely. Like, uh, for example, uh, we are all people who like to party, right? Yeah. Um, we're all feminists. We're anti-racist. We're anti-war. Conservationists. Yeah, we've all loved nature and you know, we believe in being environmentalists. And uh, yeah, honestly, bottom line, without those uh, Tolkien-loving hippies of the 1960s and 70s, I don't think there would be a keep on Tolkien. I don't think so. That's sort of like the the vibe and the culture that we fit that into. We, that we tend to foster here, yeah. 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 That's where we came from. That's the that's kind of the culture we foster. Yeah. The absolutely. inclusive, anti war, peace loving type of people we are, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's about all we have today for you guys. Uh, thank you so much. I love doing this episode. Uh, yeah, was, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy, happy holidays. holidays. Res- uh, celebrate responsibly. Celebrate responsibly. If you're in a place where it's uh, not so legal, try to just don't get caught, man. I'm so sorry, but yeah, just try not to get caught. But uh, we love you. Happy holidays. Um, season seven will be coming at you later this year. We're not really sure when yet. But it'll be coming. That'll be that'll be within this year, 2023. So Ooh. stay tuned. I'm excited. It'll be the first season I get to be on from start to finish. Full yeah. season. First That's full right, season guys. for Trevor, yeah. But thanks so much for listening to the KOT Podcast. We'd like to give a big, big, big thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. Um, subscribe to Patreon to help support us, please. 
Yeah, you can go to patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast. Subscribing can also unlock some exclusive content. And just a big, big thank you to all of our patrons. And if Patreon is not your speed, we can also accommodate one-time donations. So uh, we are just willing to accept anything you're willing to give. It's very much appreciated. We have PayPal and other services. Just contact us and we'll make it happen. Yeah, subscribe wherever you get your podcast at uh, you know www.whateverthatis.com forward slash keep on Tolkien to stay up to date on new episodes. And uh, please rate us or give us a nice review if you like us. We always love to see your comments. Yeah, and also follow us on social media. Join the Discord, please. Please join the Discord. Guys. Discord is where it is at. It is where yes. it is at. If you love all things KOT, if you've never used Discord before, I swear I'm really bad at technology. It's very easy to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sign up for it. Hit the link in the description. It'll take you to our server. You get to meet all the fun fans. It's fucking great. Check it out. Also, follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash official Keep On Tolkien. And don't forget to check out Instagram as well at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. And most importantly, check out that merch store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmail.com. Hell yeah. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in today. Yeah, Season finale. Season finale. Another finale. season. Yeah, guys, this is episode 81. Isn't that crazy? Congrats, guys. You've come so on far. Finishing did you another think, one. For those of you that's been listening, that have been listening since the beginning, did you think that little weird podcast you found one day would have 80 fucking one episodes at one point? Here we are. Because I didn't. And we're still growing. And we're still going strong. But I have been and will continue for your viewing, your listening pleasure to be Danny J. And I am Joel N. I am Trevor D. And we are who? Keep on talking. and Tulava. Have a good holiday. Be safe. We love you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Oh my god. <laughs>